0: Folks, I trust you're here for the same reason that I am. The Miami Dolphins have just traded to acquire wide receiver Tyreek Hill from the Kansas City Chiefs. Yada, yada, yada. We are living our absolute best lives as Dolphins fans. We are back to being offseason champions, making big moves here in the offseason. Kyle Krabs locked on Dolphins. Emergency podcast, Tyreek kills and Miami Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on Dolphins fans, title grabs of Locked on Dolphins, director of scouting at the Draft Network but you're not here about the draft today, are you? No, because the Dolphins, they don't have a first-round pick this year in the NFL draft. They don't have a second-round pick in this year's NFL draft. Shoot, they don't have a top 100 pick in this year's NFL draft because they have traded for wide receiver Tyreek Hill from the Kansas City Chiefs. Big moves. Y'all had to gall to call Chris Greer sleepy. Sleepy Chris Greer, they said. Is Chris Greer sleepy now? Dolphins making splash moves left and right. Signed Teron Armstead last night. Five years, 75. Yada, yada. Opportunity to make up to 87 and a half, $44 million in guaranteed money. And less than 24 hours later, made Tyreek Hill a Miami Dolphin trading for one of the most electric wide receivers in all of football. I'm your host here on Locked on Dolphins, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. But thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. And listen, here's the compensation that was sent. The Miami Dolphins sent the 29th overall pick. They sent the 50th overall. And that was the base of the Devontae Adams trade that happened about two weeks ago. And they also added a fourth-round pick this year. It could be 121 or 125. And then it also sent a fourth-round and a sixth-round pick in 2023. You know what they didn't do? They didn't send two ones. They didn't touch those two ones they have in the bank for 2023. And what they have done is they have provided the absolute best possible environment to evaluate a young quarterback, in which we're trying to get some clarity and some finality in what we have right now into a tongue of aloha, and we're as close as we're ever going to be to finding out that answer because the dolphins have provided Jalen Watt, rookie receptions record holder on one side and on the other side the most deep receiving touchdowns since 2016 in the nfl in tyree kill and you might say well kyle Tua can't throw the ball deep. That's fine. You know what you need to throw the ball, or or, you know what you don't need to throw the ball down the field? Get Yak, which we've heard Mike McDaniel talk about the San Francisco 49ers consistently leading the league in Yak. You need speed. You know who has more 20-mile-per-hour touches than any player in the NFL since 2018? Tyreek Hill, next-gen stats has him charted at 45 20-plus mile-per-hour touches since 2018. The next highest player, Saquon Barkley, 17. I'm not a math guy, but I can tell you that 17 is less than half of 45. Tyreek Hill, the most explosive Skill player that you will find in the NFL. Now, how he assimilates to the Dolphins' offense and what Mike McDaniel plans to do with him and how Tuatangolo is able to maximize his skill sets, that's a different conversation, but that's not really a conversation for today. Today's conversation is applauding the self awareness of Chris Greer on multiple fronts and the aggressiveness that was required. To get a deal like this done because you look back at some of the other young quarterbacks and their additions and i think buffalo is a great example buffalo traded a first round pick for stefan diggs to help in the development of josh allen i'm not going to sit here and lie to you guys and tell you that Tua Tagovailoa has anywhere near the physical tools upside or skill set that josh allen has Tyree kill with 45, 20 plus mile per hour touches in the NFL since 2018 in an offense that also has Jalen wild in an offense that brings Mike McDaniel, a creative play caller who has been applauded by every player who's been around him to a system that's going to run wide zone is highly committed to running the football. And you would imagine is going to be dramatic in their ability to design an effective screen game to the perimeter. Do the math. There's going to be you know, all the conversation we had last spring when the Dolphins added Will Fuller, and you had the conversation of, well, Will Fuller and, and potentially Jalen Waddell, and you're going to create these two high-safety looks. Now, first of all, there's going to be a committed effort to running the football, which is going to help alleviate the fact that teams were, were content to run two, two high-safety looks, but the Dolphins couldn't run the ball. But now you have Jalen Waddle and then a player who was comped in the pre-draft process to Jalen Waddle in Tyreek Hill. And uh, I think Chris Greer, not only evaluating Tua Valoa, but evaluating his own position, right? You understand if you're Chris Greer and you survived the change of the head coach, despite the fact that this was the coach that you selected when you were made the man in charge in South Florida, Steve, hello. Hello, Steve. Check your pulse. Check your pulse, Dolphins fans. If it ain't racing right now, you're doing something wrong. But Chris Greer, Chris Greer talking. I guess the, the, the whole shtick's done. Now. Chris Greer understanding that you have a pressure now on you as the person who was given the keys to the car. And your head coach commitment was not one that materialized in the way that you thought it would. Not a lot of GMs get to survive multiple head coaching changes. And this, here we go. This is a good comment from Tyler. Rams just won the Super Bowl with zero draft picks the last five years in the first round and zero in the next five. You pay for a known commodity. That's how you win. I would agree with that on certain conditions. This works for teams that are in certain chapters of their life cycle as an organization. And we refer to that over the draftnetwork.com quite a bit. Life cycles of players, Uh, life cycles of teams. Your life cycle as a team, the Dolphins are a young contender. They've won 19 games in the NFL over the last two seasons. They have not made the playoffs, but that 19 win total is the 10th highest in the NFL over the last two years combined. And you, because of the youth of your roster and the influx in young, cheap, rookie, and second and third year talent, allows you to make maneuvers like this and it makes sense. Because again, my show plan for tomorrow on Locked on Dolphins was gonna be to pull up the draftnetwork.com's draft simulator that I am obviously very involved in crafting and creating. And we were gonna run through some simulations. And I was gonna say, let's see who's on the board at 29 because I do these consistently. So it's part of my job description, which is a pretty cool perk of the job. But you go through these simulations and you get to 29 and if Tylen Linderbaum's gone, and the wide receiver runs, and Jahan Dotson is uh, it, the run on wide receivers gets down past Jahan Dotson, and Devin Lloyd's off the board, and Zion Johnson's off the board, you you, you find yourself in this spot, and I, I literally just did this this morning, and I'm like, damn, there's not a lot of players I like that are going to be impact players for the Dolphins at 29. And if you think back on this podcast, one of the very first things we championed for was what? Take this year's first round draft selection and trade it for an established commodity in the NFL. And that discussion originally was kind of geared towards, is that too much to pay for Calvin Ridley? And of course, Calvin Ridley is not available It's suspended for the year for betting on games in the NFL as an active player I never in a million years would have even guessed that Tyreek Hill would have been available for trade but yet here we are and this is in large part because of the Christian Kirk contract that was paid out by the Jacksonville Jaguars because if you remember when that deal was signed and it was up to 21 million dollars per season one of the first active NFL receivers to chime in was Tyreek Hill. And according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, talks between the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill's camp, the Rosenhaus' camp, broke down in large part because Tyreek wanted to up the ante over the Devontae Adams contract extension. Well, he got it. In total, it's four years, $120 million. That's a lot of coin. It's over $70 million in guaranteed money. That's where the Dolphins sit. They are pushing their chips into the table. And I would also say this, the fact that they managed to pull this trade off without touching the day one and the day two picks in 2023. That's some sweet, sweet music, my friends. And this is, the first time we've done a live show in quite some time. And I thought about doing one for Teron Armstead. But um, I, I could not be more glad that I have a chance to sit here with all of you in the immediate aftermath of the Tyreek Hill trade and digest it with all of you. We never would have bet that Tyreek Hill would have been available. But if you are looking for some solid sports betting action, it's that time of year. The college basketball tournament is upon us for all the latest odds, contests, and player props. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and information. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your scores, podcasts, and news this season, and it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs Live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today. Or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Props to Sean. The Dolphins have made a huge, huge deal about the F1 track. F1 ain't the only speed in town because you got Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. And these are two receivers that in the short game, and in the vertical game, they'll put the fear in you because you are one full step away from a boatload of rack. I had somebody ask me uh, if we think that Tyreek Hill could be Mike McDaniel's Debo Samuel. And I don't think that's really an appropriate um, parallel to draw. They're obviously very different players. But here's the thing that we do know. You have Tyreek Hill. He can win in the screen game. He can win vertically. And he can win across the middle on intermediate crossers. You got Jalen Waddell, who I think all those things are applicable for, and he's only going to get better as a player. And especially as he's given more room to work, you're going to see more of his creativity as a ball carrier and more of the explosiveness that he can provide. We saw the flash against Carolina. That was the closest we had to Alabama version of, of uh Jalen Waddle. Raheem Mostert. I know a couple people in the comments section. Raheem Mostert's a uh, speed dean. And next gen stats. Actually, this this one comes from um Marcel Marcel Luis Jaquez of ESPN. Uh the fastest speeds recorded in the NFL by Next Gen Stats since 2016: 23.4 miles per hour, Tyreek Hill; 23.09 miles per hour, Raheem Moster; 22.77 miles per hour, Tyreek Hill; and Raheem Moster, 22.73. The four fastest recorded GPS times in the NFL in the last six years has come from Miami Dolphins. Speed. And I I selfishly am super stoked for a very arbitrary, not important reason in the grand scheme of the Dolphins. How many of you guys play Madden? you dabble in Madden at all? How long has it been boring to play as the Miami Dolphins on that? Be honest. It's, it's been a sucky experience for me for probably the last six, seven years. Can't run the ball, don't have any speed. Asada Jalen Waddle, Gasecki in the middle. So you just end up throwing seam balls to Gasecki all day long. I think it'll be a problem this year. I can tell you that right now. I can tell you that right now. It's going to be fun playing as the Dolphins' old oh, man. It's also going to be fun watching this team offensively. Self-awareness is a powerful tool. And as I say, Chris Greer showcased a lot of self-awareness and what's been provided to Tua to Tonga-Valoa, and he showcased a lot of self-awareness and the pressure in himself to put the gas pedal down, proverbially and literally, put the gas pedal down on the offense. And that's where we find ourselves now. Now, as I'm sitting here and I'm I'm digesting this with each and every one of you, I'll encourage you guys in the comments. I'm going to see comments from Shane and Brandon and Paul and John and Kajan and Dylan and Kyle and Don and Joe. There's a lot of you guys. There's more people in this stream right now than I've ever had on a live stream. So bravo to you for uh, 206 on a Wednesday. For making yourselves available to talk a little Dolphins football. If you guys have questions, I I would more than gladly field your questions on the Legion of Zoom or whatever you guys want to call it, which I think is a badass name. Uh, Rochas asking uh, if we're in running for hard knocks. Um, I know one of the stipulations on hard knocks, as far as being off the hook for being obligated to do it, is having a first year head coach. So, I don't know that that's necessarily a guarantee, but if Mike McDaniel's willing to entertain it, I have a hard time imagining you're going to find a more entertaining hard knocks than coach McDaniel and his entertainment value amidst all of the energy that this team has been able to inject into an offense that's been largely lifeless for quite some time. Brandon, does this mean Tua Tagovailoa has no excuses this year? I think this year is going to be very telling for Tua Tungvalu. Whether that means it's no excuses, I think there's contextual things that can randomly happen throughout the course of any given season. If the dolphins are ravaged with injury, it's something that could negatively impact your evaluation on him as a player, but they have isolated the variable, which is a, a phrase that I'm not going to take credit for that comes from uh, my, my good friend and unfortunately a Western New York football fan in Joe Marino, who I do draft dudes with here at the draftnetwork.com. Um, isolating the variable with a young player, don't surround the developing quarterback with developing players, right? And you think about the offensive line and what it was, Steven core and what it was and the offensive backfield and what it was too much. You. So you see Tyreek Hill, you see Cedric Wilson, you see Teron Armstead, you see Connor Williams. You see Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds, established NFL players. You're isolating the variable as best as you possibly can. And that's all you could possibly hope for in a moment like this in which you're entering into year three with a player who you need to figure out if he is it or not it. Because the early returns have not met the expectations for being the number five overall pick in a NFL draft. Chris wants to know, tell me everything you know about wide zone versus two deep. So the two deep thing is more about the speed of receiver. Which means the opposing team is going to have the fear of getting beat vertically in their minds because of the speed you have between Jalen and, and Tyreek Hill. But if you successfully establish the run, which is an eye-rolling phrase for a lot of football savants these days, because the NFL is a passing league. But if you do have success in gouging opposing defenses with the run, what they'll end up doing is they'll pull that safety down into the box and try and create a numbers advantage in the box to stop you from gouging them in the run game. And when that happens and they, they pull that second, sa- second safety down into the box and now you have a single high player, you can identify, okay, where is the ball aligned as far as what hash is it on? What is the field versus the boundary, which is the short side of the field? Do I have a speed advantage there? Do I have a one-on-one that I like? Can I hit a double move there? If everybody's going to bite hard on the run game and the play action and it's going to slow down the pass rush, is that going to give me time to take a 5-7 step drop with my back to the defense and then turn around and get set and shoot the ball down the field? And if the answer is yes, Tyree Kill and Jalen Water are going to be a problem, a big problem. I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys I'm going to guarantee it's all going to work and it's all going to come together and Tua Tagovailoa is going to a a little, gonna be a Pro Bowl quarterback. He needs to show growth, and and he needs to do his part to grow as a player to get to that point. But I think if you look at the offensive infrastructure that's been provided to him in the course of the last week since the league calendar year has started, it's a whole different story from last year. Last year, and I said this even after the draft, the Dolphins felt like a team that was set up as pass to set up the run. Even with the addition of Tyreek Hill, it's going to be the other way around. You're a team that is going to run to set up the pass because that is in the Shanahan DNA. That's how this offense is engineered to work. The wide zone, the benefit of the wide zone is you have athletic offensive linemen. You run horizontally, pressing the line of scrimmage, and you are designed to force defenders to commit to gaps. And when they do, you use your athleticism to outleverage them and manipulate them at the point of attack. And then it's up to your back to be a dynamic ball carrier and have the ability to dynamically cut when they identify a hole has been opened, whether that is everybody reaches and the edge is soft and I hit the outside and then I turn up the field and I'm one-on-one with a corner or potentially a safety. Or if everybody bails out and those linebackers flow over the top because they're flying out because they're afraid of giving up the edge, that back has to be able to stick his foot in the ground and explode up the field. It's a lot of high-stress rushing concepts, and it will test your gap integrity. And the Dolphins have done a nice job to this point in adding some athletes on the front to be able to do that. And I also think it should not be slept on on how much coaching improvements in the run game and up front can kind of help to provide a catalyst for improvement as well. Never mind the fact that Teron Armstead and his leadership and his experience amongst all these young offensive linemen, which we t- talked about this morning. So all of that with these two guys on the outside, or heaven forbid if you go two tight ends and you put them on the run strength and you put Waddle and Tyreek Hill on the backside in a stack where you're going to guarantee one of those guys is going to get a free release off the line. And one of those guys could carry across the middle of the field and the other guy can hit a double move or he can run vertically down the field with a free release. You're going to manufacture a lot of light boxes. And those light boxes give you the opportunity in the run game to establish the run. So I hope that helps. Let me catch my breath here. Shane, uh, the producer of our show on DraftDudes over the draftnetwork.com is a Jets fan. And when the news first was reported that Tyreek Hill might be getting traded, and that the Jets and Dolphins were finalists, Chris shot me a tweet. He said, you and I are going to be fighting all week. And thankfully, this was not a Tehran Armstead one-week-long standoff. This was about an hour, hour and a half process from start to finish. And you knew when Schefter and Rappaport started coming off with as many tweets as they did, that this was going to happen pretty quickly. And boy, oh boy, did it materialize. So we don't know a lot about the salary cap implications right now. I have seen a number of questions about the salary and where the dolphins stand at this point. We don't really know. Uh, We don't know. As of this morning, at least we didn't know the details of the Toronto Armstead deal and how they chose to structure that, let alone the Tyree kill deal, never mind the fact that they have a boatload of guaranteed money involved. And for those of you who might be concerned about the salary cap, this is what Chris Greer's strategy to this point in time allows the Dolphins to do. They entered into this off season, number one in the NFL in spending power, but more importantly, they structured a lot of their contracts in a manner that allows them to have optimal flexibility moving forward. So They're obviously going to have less of that now with two major contracts, over $110 million in guaranteed money handed out over the past 24 hours to two players in Toronto, Armstead, and Tyreek Hill. But this is what this strategy from a cap perspective for the last three years has built to. This is the fruits of your labor. This is what Chris Greer, structuring contracts, and Brandon Shore, I want to give him his due credit here as well, structuring the contracts in the way that they have to not just automatically defer into, we're going to backload the contracts. We're going to take low cap hits in year one. They didn't do that. In 2019 with Xavier Howard. When they gave him his contract extension, they put a big ass roster bonus in year one and said, we're going to take the lumps now. You're going to get your cash now. And they've since paid for it because howard and his representation did not fight for better returns year over year and of course they still need to resolve that question because they they made a promise that they were going to reassess that contract situation but this massive influx in guaranteed dollars is only possible because of the way the dolphins have handled the cap for the last 3 years which has been very meticulous calculated And done to assure when you find the right opportunities to, as you perceive it, add elite talent to your roster and sign contract extensions, you will have the flexibility to do so. So I am not worried in the least bit about the Dolphins' salary cap flexibility for adding two large contracts to the books. Because outside of that, their large contracts are Byron Jones, which they can get out of after this year, if they wanted to. And they'll have two first-round picks. And if their quarterback hits this year, then they'll have two first-round picks to go find a corner in next year's draft. And Xavier Howard. Emmanuel Agba, not a bank-breaking deal. Not by any means. I mean, it, it was around $50 million per season. We're expecting the cap in two years to be around $250 million. Right now it's at 209. Last year it was 278.5. Don't be worried about the cap. Now, they'll have less flexibility, but now is when you'll probably see moving forward, the team start to embrace a little bit more of the ideology of doing what other teams that have been contenders have done, which is we're going to restructure your contract. We're going to push and defer, and that's going to manufacture a little bit more cap space for in the now. But again, that goes back to where this team is in their life cycle versus where they were when they decided in 2019 they were going to rebuild. They feel like they're ready. And last year they told us the players that are here are going to determine how successful we are. They've clearly decided amongst a head coaching change, we're not good enough. So we need to continue to get better. But now their actions are showing you they think they're on the cusp. And their actions are showing you between Teron Armstead and Connor Williams and Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert and Tyreek Hill and retaining Mike and Cedric Wilson Jr., that they are all in, pushing their chips in the table, and they should be. Because for Chris Greer, if it doesn't happen this year, it ain't going to happen for you. So I'm glad that they identify this opportunity, and they are acting as such as a team that is a young contender that is to evolve so that they can take it seriously in the pantheon of the NFL. That's going to do it for us here. I know this emergency podcast has been well-received by many of you. I'm overwhelmed by the approximately 300 of you who are live streaming this with me here and now on the YouTube channel. If you guys enjoyed it, just know we have a lot of video content that comes out three to four episodes a week. Make sure you like the video, hit subscribe on the channel. And if you enjoy Locked on Dolphins, please plan accordingly. You hit subscribe, get that podcast, the audio right in your feed. As soon as we're done here, I'm going to convert this video into an audio format and send it out to all of our loyal subscribers as well. Ends up! What a time! We are back, as we said at the very top, to being off-season champions of the NFL. Here's hoping the in-season results are a little different. And as we said just now, the Dolphins' path to getting here gives us hope that it should be different. One thing we know, they're going to be fast as hell, and it's going to be fun to watch. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins, fins up. Make it a good one. Talk with you guys again tomorrow.